When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the Fem Fam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This episode is being brought to us by Tyler Sharp. Uh, he wrote in to let us know that he just wants us to say that he is our biggest fan ever, and he's a totally cool dude who you should absolutely drink and watch bad movies with uh, because he is a funny part-time comedian who tells good dick jokes, and also he's a stud. Uh, I don't think he has a Twitter. He never sent it to us. But, Tyler, you got your shout-out as requested, and now let's discuss. All right, th- theme song goes here. Can you guys just do that instead? (laughs) This week on Horror Movie Night, we discuss the 1980-something Rotor. What does Rotor stand for, you ask? Really overdone, terribly overacted ridiculousness. This movie was picked by Adam, loathed by Scott, and if you want to know what I think, well, you have to endure the next 50 minutes of car chases to find out on Horror Movie Night. Holy shit. So, I had heard about Rotor. I had seen... uh, Someone had covered it on the Greatest Movie Ever podcast. And uh, right around that exact same time, Scream Factory had put it out on Blu-ray. So I had had requested a review copy. And I remember the first time that I watched it, I was like, oh, that was, was whatever. It was fun. So when... Adam had written in like, hey, I think I'm going to do Rotor. I was like, that's a great idea. That movie was fun. Um, I was wrong. <laughs> like, I, this, this movie was rough. Um, Adam, why did you pick this? I saw it originally discussed on Red Letter Media's Best of the Worst, and they had a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, on that show, they tend to sort of just cut it down and show you the good parts. Um, that's what I didn't know was that <laughs> there's a lot of bad fucking parts in this movie. Uh, mainly uh, the entire middle half, also the beginning and, and the then end. the end as well. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's all pretty fucking bad. Um, but there is a lot of stuff in here that is just like ludicrous and stupid and crazy enough to be funny. Uh, like the bar fight scene with the dude ripping his shirt off. Yep. And the whole beginning part where it's just uh, establishing st- shot, establishing shot, establishing shot over and over. There's like a full seven minutes of just panning a barn and then panning a kitchen and then panning a bedroom 
And then a static shot of the horse standing there, and he comes out on his front porch, and you're watching him in real time walk across a yard and talk to the horse for a minute. And then, oh, funny joke, he gives the horse the coffee, and he bites the carrot. <laughs> Just so fucking stupid. <laughs> Uh, so, so, so I think that we need to address something here. This is not a horror movie. Uh, I wouldn't totally say it's not a horror movie. It is involving people getting murdered by a renegade robot. I mean, it's sci-fi, yeah. but it's... But are we ever going to discuss The Terminator? No. No, but that's because it's those are good movies. Unless we watch, like, <laughs> Terminator Genesis or some fucking shit like that. But uh, would we you not sometimes... say... We sometimes do watch good movies. You just forget the fact that we do. Because but I would argue that Terminator is – I would say that Terminator – and this is going to sound really weird. But I would say Terminator is a horror movie, but Terminator 2 is a sci-fi action movie, if that makes any sense. No, that, that, it makes total sense because there's no background with the future and Skynet and all that shit in Terminator. It's really just there's this killer robot that's – like basically, like a if this like is a anything, slasher killer. If this is anything, it's Westworld. In all honesty, it's, it's. Have you watched Westworld? Can you make that argument? Well, no, I'm talking about the original movie Westworld from the 70s, oh, okay. where it's you know this renegade robot in this hotel suddenly by malfunction just starts killing all of the people in the hotel. Like, yeah, are we going to watch Westworld next? No. Because oh. Westworld's actually a good movie. <laughs> Again, oh, it's... Okay. Yeah, it's it's the second best thing that Michael Crichton ever did. Um, behind Sphere? <laughs> yeah, yes, behind... No, behind Congo. Um, Dude, that, you're not off base with that argument here because Congo is great. Yeah, I think I'm Amy the only person... you're ugly. Amy hates you. <laughs> I think I'm the only one at my work who does not defend the movie Congo. Every time that it comes up, I'm like, that's not that good of a movie. And people are like, what are you, fucking crazy? It's great. And then they just reference I'm, a- Amy. <laughs> I'm about I'm about 80% sure that they're just fucking with you because that movie's not good. I mean, no, it's, it's not. It's not good, but it's funny because it was the movie. I believe that was what happened right after Jurassic Park. They were just buying up all the Crichton um, uh, scripts to, to make money off of Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure Congo happened before um, Sphere. I think it went, Con- it went Jurassic Park, Congo, Sphere, and then... Um, and then they stopped. They were like, oh, right. they stopped. Yeah. <laughs> but no, actually, The 13th Warrior, which is my favorite Antonio Banderas film, uh, which isn't saying much, obviously, because he's garbage, but um, that movie is based on a, uh, a book by Michael Crichton as well. Yeah, Eater of Worlds or something like that? Eater of, Eater, Eater's Eater of, of the Dead. dead. Yeah. Eaters of the Dead. Yeah. There we go. Which is a modern rewriting of Beowulf. Oh. I never knew what the 13th Warrior was, honestly. I've never seen it. Really? Um, the 13th a boring movie. movie like, <laughs> no, that movie is great. I've seen that movie at least 15 times. Maybe 25. I'm not sure because I used to fall asleep to it. That's a pretty big gap. Not... <laughs> so that's a 10-viewing well, no, that's that's okay. gap. <laughs> let's, like... say, let's, let's say that I have actively watched it 15 times but my body has watched it 25 to 35 times. I can relate to that. <laughs> I can relate to that. You fall asleep to a movie. There's certain movies you're like, this is the one. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to yeah, pop in my cousin Vinny and I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to enjoy this very well done 
courtroom comedy, but I'm also going to fall asleep midway through the movie. Bullshit, yeah. Matt. You're watching Care Bears. I know you no, are. Yeah, no, probably. Adam, Matt does not fall asleep to Care Bears. He cannot sleep when that is on. No. It's way too I get I get sucked in. Uh, yeah. So this movie came out in 1989, which means that it is at, like, peak 80s when it starts off. <laughs> like, which is funny because 89 should be, like, when the 80s were starting to wane and turn into the 90s. But no, you're absolutely right. 88, 89, and 90 are like ultimate 80s aesthetic. Yeah, you don't really appreciate how much of a change Nirvana really brought to the landscape until you actually just look at what people were wearing in 1990 to what people were wearing in 1991. And you're like, wow. Let's really give Kurt Cobain that that crown. Well, well, like grunge in general. Like, it is just the, a dramatic shift. It's not like this subtle change occurred. It was just like one day everyone had hairspray, the next day they were miserable and wearing flannel, and there was no like transition period. I think that you're forgetting that the Midwest is about five years behind everybody, so um, everybody really did look like 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 um, all the moms in Edward Scissorhands up until about 95, 96. <laughs> uh, so Right out the right in the beginning of the movie, there's, I guess it's supposed to be a gunshot. There's just an explosion, and I thought that it was someone blowing out a tire. <laughs> like I was like, man, that's a shitty sound effect for a tire blowout. And then you see like someone laying on the ground, and the main character's like, call the police. And then some like hillbilly with a shotgun. He's like, I just saw this man shoot a uh, motorcycle cop, or whatever. So. That, that builds us into the movie. All of a sudden, now we're going into him explaining... The end is the beginning. The end, yeah, and and that's that's where we start off. And, like, what even is this guy? You know what I mean? Like, I'm watching this movie, I'm like, okay, he's so... He's a modern-day Frankenstein, man. But, like, not just that, like... <laughs> like, he's a farmer. He's, like, blowing up shit. He's got this dope-ass synth soundtrack that follows him everywhere. But then he also, like, works for, like, robotics. Like, it's just, like... like and this... on top of that, he's a badass super cop. Too. Yeah, like, like this yeah, dude... He's in, And he... Like, the tone of this movie is all over the place. Because he's in that boardroom giving his final uh, presentation about Rotor. And he's like, we're all degreed... We're all, like, degreed sci- science fiction writers. Prognosticators of the future. But let me be brief. Like, really... Who writes this shit? This is like not even coke-fueled writing binge on a weekend in L.A. 1988. This is like so beyond that. No, this is, is this movie is unwatchable. So here's the problem with this movie right out the gate is that this movie, um, <laughs> it's trying to be a, uh, a sci-fi film, a horror film, a comedy film, and a film with a message all at the exact same time. <laughs> like, yeah, they're all just are, there. Are, there are four voices screaming over each other in this film, trying to make make a point. But I fucking love that robot. That one robot that's just rolling oh, around man. the precinct, hitting on secretaries and shit. That sassy robot is the best. <laughs> like, oh, I love him. No, no. Hey, baby, can you give me them seven digits? Which is said I, twice in this movie. That. Two different people say, "Hey, baby, can you give me those seven digits?" Because they probably ran out of quirky shit to say. But no, that robot, I refer to him as Police Academy Robot. He's Johnny Five mixed with the entire Police Academy franchise. And then we have some very, very inappropriate dude coming on to another scientist. 
and he's like, I'm either Indian or a sissy. Yeah. It's just so incredibly uncomfortable. There's one line that I wrote the exact quote, and it's, you gots to give me your phone number, <laughs> is what he says while he's <laughs> flirting with her. Man, these Duracells cost me 99 cents. You blow my Duracells up. Somebody owes me $3.99. Yeah, he like, sounds... I thought you said it was 99 cents. What's going yeah, on? He's claiming to be an Indian, but he's talking like chef's parents. Like, it's... <laughs> 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 um, also, was like 75% of the dialogue dubbed because everything seems slightly off whenever any character would talk. I thought the same thing. I don't know. I, like, uh, I don't think it was a foreign movie. But, I think they fucked up the sound and had to ADR, like, everything. You know, I, I, I almost want to like this movie because there's the robot Tai Chi when he's um, doing his, uh, oh, the, his presentation. I've said it already to you guys, and I'll say it on the podcast. If this movie was just 90 minutes of that robot skeleton moving around to, like, sweet t- techno music, I would be in, <laughs> I would be in heaven. Because that shit is awesome. I love the robot skeleton. I wish that that's what was chasing people down instead of just a, a guy with a mustache. Dude, if they had done that, they would have had, that would have quadrupled their budget. And, uh, absolutely. Like if they would have had to stop motion and yeah, but, but when you quadruple when you quadruple zero, you still end up with zero. <laughs> <laughs> That's just. I, uh, I do have one piece of dialogue that I really really loved, and I already sent to you guys this morning. But it's when Rotor first uh, like shows up, and he's walking out of the police station. He bumps that other guy, and uh, he's like, "Yo, you want to sign up for the policeman's ball?" And he, like, bashes him in the stomach and walks away. The guy goes, man, what's your problem? You get your peckles stuck in your plumbing this morning? I had to jack you up, spit polished academy snot. God, save us all. And he's talking. Is that English? Wait. Two weeks ago, when you were bitching about uh, (laughs) fucking Phantasm 2, you went all uh, strokey on us. And and now you're doing it again this week. All right. So, hold on a second. This is the only piece of interesting trivia to me. In uh, IMDb, and it just says the actor that played Shoe Boogie, the jive talking janitor, is uncredited. As of 2015, his identity has still not been verified. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. it, even that actor's like, no, <laughs> no one can know. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've watched a movie with this much jive talking. That you want to know what the last movie was? What? Munchies. Oh, you're right. The munchies were jive-talking motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> Can we please see Rotor versus the munchies? Please, for the love of God. So, like, the problem with this movie... So, so here's the problem with this movie. I, I mean, there's a oh, ton this of This is going to be a long fucking list. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, like, here's, here's why I thought that I liked this movie and then realized I was wrong the second time. is like... It starts off real strong in, like, the absurd, ridiculous level, where it's just like, okay, like, yeah, we've got this weird, like, robot Tai Chi, and there's this, like, robot that's hitting on the secretary, and there's the jive-talking janitor, and that's all, like, in the first 15 minutes, and you're like, this movie is just wacky, I love it, and then... For like 45 fucking minutes, it's just the driest, boring, like, 
couples having conversations about relationships and work and stuff like that. You're just like, oh my fucking god! Like it's like forty minutes until the rotor actually goes like haywire, and you're just like, okay, fucking let's let's get it going, and like the deaths aren't that exciting or interesting, and you're just kind of like, come on, fucking anything. But then it ends strong. <laughs> Because it gets right back into the absurd. Like, it, it's almost like they shot two different movies and then we're like, fuck, we gotta put them together. Because, like, then you get to, like, the chef in the diner and he's got these weird teeth and I can't tell if they're real. They're chiclets. They're chiclets. <laughs> like, <laughs> I call him the bunny cook. Like, yeah, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then, like, there's like the guy there, there's the scene where he's at the gas station the guy like jumps into the truck while it's driving away he's like feed stone Falman now like it just turns into <laughs> absurd again out of nowhere and then there's like the chick who looks like the mom from terror tunes and like she's the muscle there while the while our main character is the brain and there's this terribly yeah, she rips open Rotor's chest and yeah. green shit starts coming out for some reason. There's a scene where they all climb out of like the body of water that they were in and uh oh and in the background is like the worst fight choreography going on between her and Rotor and it just lingers. Like it's just this static shot because I guess the other two actors are legitimately having trouble getting up the hill to the street. So it's just these two actors just winging it. And they're not coming close to connecting at all, like, as they're throwing fists. It is fucking ludicrous. This movie is ludicrous. Uh, but, yeah, it it just it doesn't know what the fuck it is. And then it just ends on, like, this big emotional, like, well, emotional, quote-unquote. But it's, like, you know, I read my, my read my uncle's journals, and it taught me a lot about blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, it just wants to change the world, but also be silly, but also be scary all at the same Except time. no one cares. You just blew up a robot, man. What are you fucking doing? <laughs> you know, also, we have to talk about the fact that that robot is the slowest shot ever. Like, that robot sucks. This is a shitty robot. And and they're going to wrangle him like a cow. You notice that? Because he's a cowboy. He's a cowboy scientist. Oh, yeah, I forgot the part in the beginning where he, like, has that, like, explosive cord. And he's like, not only can I get rid of the stumps, but I can practice my roping while I'm at it. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, this dude does everything. Everything. Oh, he truly is a jack-of-all-trades, man. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Better, better just go back to straight nitro then. Yeah, just uh, this movie just loses a lot of a lot of steam real early on, and then it yeah, takes it, forever it, to get it back. It comes to a grinding halt, and until we do get to that restaurant, and uh, he puts Chicklet Guy's face into the into the grill, and then that big muscly dude takes his suspenders off all sexy and pulls his shirt down like, ooh, look at me. And then, you know, Rotor, like, steps on his face a little bit and stuff. <laughs> it, 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 and then it, it actually loses steam again after that because there's, like, you, you mentioned the scene where the guy hops in the back of the truck, but there's also, like, Rotor touching the electrics, like, the two uh, spark plugs together and shit like that. And it's just... It, I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. This was this was a bad call. <laughs> we 
I gave you many opportunities to re-choose. And, you know, like, I would really love it if Matt made a supercut of Adam apologizing for his terrible decisions. But it's not, it doesn't stop you from continuing to make them. It's very frustrating for me. <laughs> I like that Scott turned, into, Scott turned into, like, a parent there. It's like, I'm not saying I'm angry with you. I'm just disappointed you don't learn from your previous mistakes. I give you every opportunity, and I'm just getting frustrated with you, okay? <laughs> It's just gonna drag me down. Bring me down. No, I'm the one that builds the robots. You're just the businessman. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I, the other thing that sucks is that I don't really have that much more to say. Like my note, I thought I was gonna have like two pages of notes for Rotor, and I've got like five sentences. <laughs> it's depressing. yeah. There is just not a whole lot to go on. I mean. <laughs> It's it's the same thing over and over again for a good 40 chunk of the movie, right? It's like car chase, he catches you, you get away. Car chase, he catches you, you get away. It just keeps going on and on. And it's intercut with, like, you know, our, our superhero fucking can do everything, jack of all trades guy. Just having telephone conversations in between. <laughs> so there's, really, there's nothing to go on there either. It's like, what the fuck? No, it's uh, it's a bad movie. I feel like this is once again one of those movies would have been much better to watch in a group setting with a, a large number of people, and you could just crack jokes about the absurdity of it. Yeah, like uh, if you guys like in a in a <laughs> in a hypothetical world where the three of us lived to like in the same general town where we could do live events all the time, Rotor would be a great like we're gonna screen this movie and then just as a giant audience discuss how bad it is. Rotor would be great. As far as the three of us have to watch it by our lonesome with a notepad in front of us, this is fucking rough. Like, this is, I'm walking around, I'm going to import a CD onto my computer real quick because I realized I didn't put it into my iTunes yet. This is, you know, like, hey, let me see if my, is my guitar still in tune? Let me check that. Like, just find, like, any, like, okay. Like, any fucking excuse to just be like, ah, they're just talking, I'm gonna walk away, I'm gonna go to the bathroom, I'm not even gonna shut the movie off real quick, I'm just gonna crank up the volume so I can hear it in the bathroom while I'm in there, like, just every excuse to walk away. I don't blame you. Yeah. I cannot blame you for that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. So that's Rotor. Uh, what did you guys watch this week? Or no, what? I'll start. I'll start because there's, uh, there's, something that yeah, I, yeah. there's something that I watched a while ago, like 
well before Halloween, and I keep forgetting to actually bring it up. I watched the live, like the Fox live remake of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah, do do tell. How was it? So at first I was like, okay, this isn't so bad. Like it started off, it was kind of interesting what they were doing. The girl, like they they did science fiction double feature, and it was sung by like this girl dressed as an usher, and she was, you know, a bunch of people dressed as Rocky Horror characters, and she's sitting them down in the theater, and she's getting them seated, and it's like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then, you know, the the movie begins, and you're actually like seeing the the remake projected on a screen. And then it like zooms into the screen and then you start seeing the movie. And like the casting of Brad and Janet is really great. The casting of Tim Curry is super uncomfortable because you can never tell if he's making acting choices or if that's just the way he talks now because he's had multiple strokes. So that makes every Oh, look- Tim Curry's in it. Yeah, he plays the narrator in the movie. Okay. And it's super discomforting. You're like, oh my god, like this is sad. I don't want to see Tim Curry like this. Um, and like the fir- literally all the way up until they get to Frankenstein's or uh, Frankenfurter's place, it's fine. And they do like these weird things where it'll like cut to like the audience who you saw get seated in the theater, reacting and yelling stuff at the screen and like throwing stuff at the screen and whatnot to like try to incorporate a little bit of the crowd participation. But it's the Fox PG version of the crowd participation. So like they never yell asshole or slut or any of like the famous things. It's just like, Oh, you'll see them put like newspapers on their head and shit. Um, then you meet the actor that they cast it for riff raff and magenta and Columbia. And that's when the movie just really fucking falls apart is like the, the casting's bad. Um, they do the time warp as like a country song. Like it's, like, it sounds like an American Idol version of the Time Warp, and you're like, what the fuck uh, is this? Uh, yeah, no. I didn't like Laverne Cox playing uh, Frankenfurter, and I don't know how to say this without sounding like a dick, but I'm going to say it. Yes, Laverne Cox is is transgender. She's a, she's a very beautiful transgender who looks like a woman. And that, to me, is an issue, because Frankenfurter needs to be a man dressing up as a woman. And the reason for that is that two big things. There's the seduction scenes, which are completely changed now, because now it's not Frankenfurter having sex with Janet and her no longer being a virgin and having this, like, realization of her sexual exploration and causing her to chase Rocky. It's just a lesbian scene. And the flip side with Brad, it's no longer him questioning his sexuality. It's just him having sex with someone that's not Janet. And I feel like it changes a lot of their characters in that moment. And then additionally, the song Don't Dream It Be It means something completely different. Because that whole song is about, you know, looking at an actress on the screen and wishing that you could be dressed like her. And when that's being sung by a guy in drag, it's like, you know, it's this powerful thing. But when it's being sung by a woman, it's just like, okay, so you just wanted a fucking dress. Like, it. Wait, 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 wait. It, who's the one? Is the transgender woman's character the one that sings that in this version? Yes. But, and. That, but, the, but that's the whole point then, is that they're pandering to, to transgender people or people that are kind of questioning their gender. And it's saying, don't dream it, be it. Saying, like, if you want to. If you want to be trans go do it 
Yeah, which I that's which, what they're which I get, and I'm not digging on it. I'm just saying that they, they changed the cons, they changed the subtext for that. Yeah, it's it's rough, man, and and like I am not a per. I know there's a lot of backlash on Rocky Horror because of how popular it is, but I still really enjoy it. It's one of those movies that I look forward to watching every Halloween, and I think the songs are catchy, and I even really like the sequel, Shock Treatment. But um, this was just this hurt. I, I like. I was watching. I'm just like, this is, this is like when you. Th- this was like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake to me. You know what I mean? Like oh, this was something uh, that okay, I now I feel your pain. Yeah, like you know what I mean? Like it's like this is something that I really care about and was important to me throughout a long period of my life. Just kind of being done so wrong and like making all the wrong decisions and just kind of being like, all right, well I guess this is Rocky Horror now. Like this is what this is now. But that that I, that went a little longer than I meant it to. Uh, so I'm gonna pass it over to either one of you guys. Um, I have something that I watched uh, that I want to uh, touch upon. I think that that will, it would be a good uh, a good segue from you talking about Rocky Horror. Um, I watched the Ghostbusters remake with uh, the ladies. You know, yeah. like um, the, the answer the call. I guess is what the the subtitle of it is. But um, I, I guess I, did you talk about it on the podcast or did you write it up? with your thoughts? I did a write up and I talked about it on the podcast. And uh, the the very quick short version of my opinion of it was that I disliked the movie a lot, but I disliked the movie because I could see how much better of a movie it could be if it was actually funny. Like that, just the writing and directing ruined what could have been a decent movie because the actresses do an excellent job with what they're given. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that, that is exactly what I was, I had to say about it myself was like, and I, I mean, I, I talked to you guys a little, well, I guess I admin, I mostly talked about it, um, in the group chat this week, but, um, that was my problem with it is that all four of those women are, are funny in their own right. And you do see a couple glimmers earlier on in the movie of them being allowed to be funny, but it's, they, they, they kind of get wrangled and they're not allowed to be funny and they're not allowed to be spontaneous. And like this movie feels very sterile and it feels very, it feels like it's pandering to, to, to young girls, which is weird because I feel like the vast majority, uh, like the population that this should hit are the parents of the young girls because those are the ones that grew up with the original Ghostbusters series. Um, And I agree with you when you said something along the lines of like, they share a world, but not, it's like they, like uh, all the original living um, actors, main characters from the, from Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 have cameos, but the cameos are, um, very they don't work i really don't think that they work like i understand why they did it they had bill murray be a skeptic because he was a skeptic in the original and they had um or he was like the skeptic character kind of well not as much as winston winston i I can never remember his name uh winston was more the skeptic i guess but so then why wasn't winston the the the, and i guess that maybe that's a race thing but like i understand that they had the same race set up whereas three white people and one black person and then so they had winston as shit what's her name um leslie Adam. jones yeah leslie jones it was her uncle i guess yeah who, who and so i guess that makes sense from like a familial stance but um it would have made more sense if he was the um the 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 ghost debunker because he was the skeptic in the first movie and those are all those are all um 
screenwriting decisions that were improperly made, in my opinion. They put Bill Murray as a bigger character because they because he's probably arguably the one who still has the biggest career. Um, so, I mean, there there are a lot of problems that I have with it. I watched it with Megan, obviously, um, and I mean, we we laughed and enjoyed ourselves a a bit, you know, a good amount. Like I was I, w- I was feeling much better about it at the thirty minute mark. Um, I was like, okay, it's kind of it's kind of cheesy, but it's still you know it's still a pretty good movie um, so far. And there are a couple po- points where they're allowed to kind of rip off of each other. The ladies are, and it's and it's good. Like they have chemistry there, but then. The second half, when the ghosts kind of all take over, is just so, like, they just ham-fist everything because well, they have it, to make it be the same as the first Ghostbusters. Yeah, and it becomes too meta. There's way too many references to, like, the controversy of women Ghostbusters. The main yeah. villain is, like, essentially just Reddit turned into a single person. <laughs> Which is weird because then they tried to force Reddit to want this movie. And and they, you know, like, or maybe it was Tumblr that was really pushing that. But, like, the, I, I'm trying to stay away from the controversy that was the um, the marketing of the film and just try and see the film for what it could have been because marketing is bullshit. It's an entire other part of the company that would have been in charge of that. But you're not wrong that they're kind of like... I, I can see why in the early stages of writing it, it would make sense to have the protagonist be kind of like a spurned guy, a spurned male, middle-aged dude, like he's 30 or whatever, not middle-aged, but he's 30, and has no aspirations and, and, you know, has a shit job and is, like, angry at everyone. And so he wants to end the world. But it's just not handled properly. None of this movie was handled properly. And it's really disappointing. Like, your suggestion, I do remember from the um, the article that you wrote about it, was that they should have had it be um, in-universe with the first two movies. And that somehow the, the all of New York City has collective amnesia that there are ghosts and then, you know, they just and that these girls are kind of um, either related to or connected in some way or other to the original set of Ghostbusters. And um, that would have made a whole lot more sense. It would have been a much better uh, remake. I feel like it's I feel like remakes are best when they pay pay homage to the first set while doing something new. And this movie felt if people complained about The Force Awakens being a retread of a new hope. This movie is so much worse because it's like a paint by numbers with different characters and the genders reversed. And I mean, I appreciate the jokes about, um, uh, Thor, uh, whatever the Helmsworth character being a dumbass, but like, that's not an inverse of Annie Potts. Annie Potts was a smart ass, take no shit. Um, deadpan, dry, kind of character in the first one she was kind of like supposed to be the 80s working woman and so you know she's like she's strong and she's sarcastic and skeptic of her own right and she's she's like winston almost where she's like just there for a paycheck but she i mean i don't know I, I, i just i have a lot of jumbled frustrations with the first with this remake and i wish that they would have done a better job because if they were trying to redo this so that they did a couple Ghostbusters films, I would have been totally behind it because 
I see no problem with with female comedians. Like women can be just as funny as men. They don't have to rely on their gender because I don't necessarily think that the first Ghostbuster crew really relied on being men to be funny. Although Bill Murray was kind of a cad, and I get it. Like that's because um, Kristen Wiig's character is constantly lusting over um, uh, Helmsworth because that Bill Murray was lusting over uh, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I was trying to remember Dana. And also, Sigourney Weaver has no right to come in, be a, a scientist in this movie. Like, it just, that that cameo is the worst cameo of all of them. If anything, she should have been, like, one of their moms or something like that, where she could have been influential to them while still having her cameo. It just makes no sense that she'd be, like, a badass scientist that just shows up at the very end and she's kind of overseeing their expansion of of the way that they handle things just makes no sense i'm very frustrated with the movie because not because i sat through it because it's not that it wasn't entertaining at times like overall i had more fun watching it than i had watching rotor but i just feel like there were so many missteps it could have been great and they had four women who are arguably able to handle that all on their own without being an ensemble cast that they should have been able to handle it but they they just weren't given the reins to they weren't given the the space to be funny I don't think. Yeah, it's just there's a lot of ways that this could have been a better movie. It's upsetting. It's 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 upsetting as someone who want like I wasn't on the hate train. Like I know a lot of people were from the from the second that it was announced. Yeah, but I, I was like I was like let's give it a shot. But yeah, no, you're right. There's a lot of issues, and I, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, there was a lot of people who were like, no, yeah, no, it's great that Chris Evans plays this dumb character because it's a slap in the face to all the times that, like, the woman is forced to play the dumb secretary, and it's like, yeah, but that wasn't Ghostbusters. And, I, I mean, there was no stupid woman in it. Like, Dana wasn't stupid. She was also a working woman, and she was, she saw right through Bill Murray's character. Like, he he was trying to hit on her from the first minute he saw her, and she was like, yeah, you're a jerk. Just go away. And And they only got together because of going through what happened at the end of of Ghostbusters, and then they weren't together in Ghostbusters too. Like it, it, Ghost, the Ghostbusters series, for what it, for what it is, really wasn't. It was semi progressive about the way that they treated women. So it's kind of odd that they. I don't know. It seems odd that they would make it such a point, at least in their marketing department, that like this is female Ghostbusters. Like you could have been much more eloquent about it. I have no, like I said, I have no problem with four female comedians being the Ghostbusters. They could have done a great job with a better script or the Judd Apatow treatment where they get to do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. It, it definitely was a was a letdown. How about you, Adam? What I know you said you had something special reserved for this week. Is it more Flavor of Love? No. Oh, man, <laughs> I really need to get back on that Flavor of Love thing. I know that a lot of the fans were asking for it. Hundreds, thousands even were <laughs> I will complete that series. Don't worry. Um, no, I watched. Uh, this is more your guys' scene. Um, I know you love promedies. Oh yeah, yeah. Love, wrong time of year though. I know. Okay. I know you love older romantic comedies. So I watched a movie from 1987. Um, Did you watch Pretty in Pink? No, I've okay. seen Pretty in Pink before. I had never seen this one before. It has Patrick Dempsey. And Amanda Can't buy me love. Yeah, I did. I watched <laughs> Can't Buy Me Love. Is this your first time seeing it? 
Yeah, I'd never seen it before. That, I had only seen it a couple months ago as well. I like that movie quite a lot. There was, <laughs> I do too. It's very <laughs> indie. Now, there's a whole lot of parts in it where I was just fucking cringing. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but it's, it's a really enjoyable movie. Whole concept, very weird. Whole ending, very weird. She literally calls herself a prostitute, and and for some reason, Ronald is the one that gets ostracized from the group. I don't get it. It's a very simplistic, childish way to view high schoolers, and, and it's just nothing like this would ever occur. Do you not high school? <laughs> yeah, but I also didn't, I don't remember it being like, hey, nerd. You're not allowed to sit on this side of the cafeteria, and shit like that. Oh, and, and man, as far as like ham-fisted, ram it down your throat morality at the in the climax of an '80s uh, teen flick, I don't think it gets any worse than "Can't Buy Me Love" because there's that that fight that they're gonna have in the uh, in the cafeteria area outside, and then he's then he like just lays it all out there it is not subtle at all but it's no and then he and then he and then he shakes the kid from uh uh children of the corn he shakes his hand and everybody cheers and shit yeah (laughs) it's like if if i hadn't seen that in a movie i'd be like hashtag that happened yeah Yeah, right like and then everyone applauded and uh, you know (laughs) somebody gave me a thousand dollars you know that person's name (laughs) albert einstein (laughs) (laughs) But it's 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 an enjoyable movie. Uh, Patrick Dempsey really fucking carries the movie. Like he carries the whole way because he's so just sporadic and crazy and weird throughout the whole thing. And uh, yeah, some of his outfits and the way that he acts and stuff is just it's fucking hilarious to watch. But I had never seen it before. I was I kind of had to be fucking dragged kicking and screaming into watching it. Um, but I don't regret it. I thought it was pretty enjoyable as far as romantic comedies are concerned. I thought it was I mean, pretty good. And Amanda Peterson, dude, come on. Oh, she's so gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. So I She's she's really really she's great in that movie too, but you're ignoring the best part of that whole film. Seth Green. Is. <laughs> oh yeah, Seth Green. No, Seth Green is the worst part of this whole fucking film. Ah, <laughs> no, you liar. You love Oh it. no. He's so hard to watch in this and I'm like, "Oh <laughs> my god, this is terrible." I actually don't know how he got work after this movie. I wouldn't want him in my movie. I'd be like, hey, do you want somebody who's offensive to watch? He's so fucking annoying, you can barely fucking stand him being on screen. Yeah, well, hire Thess Green. There you go. You got him. The reason why I saw Can't Buy Me Love was uh, because of Easy A. (laughs) No, okay, Matt, you're probably the person to answer this question more than Adam. On a, uh, like, if you have to set like bronze, gold, and silver between "Can't Buy Me Love," Ten Things I Hate About You," and "Easy A," which would you pick? Oh, it's a tough decision, isn't so, it? So, so "Can't Buy Me Love" is the first one I'm killing on there. Um, but man, the easy. But yeah, but "Easy A" versus versus Ten Things is tough. Um, you know. I, this is I, easy for me. It's I, going bronze, easy A, silver, can't buy me love, gold, ten things I hate about you. Yeah, I no, think I, I think I, I'm I going. I can't agree because easy A. I know we all lived through like 1999, and so there's that nostalgia for ten things. But 
if you, and I know Heath Ledger is so good in that movie, but I really think Easy A is a funnier movie. I have to rewatch. My roommate borrowed Easy A shortly after I bought it, and I haven't had a chance to actually rewatch it since because he's had it for like close to two years now. <laughs> um, I've watched it four times though, so I mean, I, I really, I think that it's just so funny. I, man, I love Emma Stone. She's she is so funny. I wish that she was in more. Com- I, I wish that she would take more comedies, but. We're probably going to be talking about La La Land in a month here because that's coming out and her and Ryan Gosling apparently kill it. And I just cannot wait to see that. It's not a comedy, though, but I'm just saying, like, she's a fantastic actress. So I really... Ten Things has a very dear place in my heart because it's from the late 90s and it reminds me of high school. But I truly think that Easy A is a funnier film. It might be a funnier film, but I... I have definitely watched 10 Things I Hate About You roughly 100 times and still laugh every time that I watch it. Are, is, is it because you're the guy on the moped? I, mean, I can't remember his... Well, I was going to say, every time I go into any grocery store and I see uh, packages of brie cheese, I always go, oh, must be <laughs> Nigel with the brie. <laughs> <laughs> and and Bogey Lowenstein's party is like... I want to talk about that anytime I have an event to go to. I'm like, oh, sorry, busy going to the Bogey Lowenstein's party. I'm going to start using that as my excuse why I can't go to places that I don't want to go. Not crippling depression? Yeah, I got a party at Bogey, Bogey Lowenstein's. And what I mean is I'm going to sit at home and watch 10 Things I Hate About You and cry. Um, every time I hear Hypnotized by uh, Notorious B.I.G., I just think of Julia Stiles drunkenly dancing on that table. Actually, every time I hear hypnotize, I have to get up on a table wearing a midriff and dance drunkenly until I hit my head on the chandelier. <laughs> you must oh, be a he's blast. Drunk, guys, take, take him outside to the swing set. Get him ready. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, someone get some light over here. Scott's taking his clothes off. I was trying to go for that. Damn it. You beat me to it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Rotor from 1989 as picked by Adam with malice and... <laughs> <laughs> and just terrible, terrible intentions. But you can also make us watch horrific things like this. Uh, you can do that by contacting us at hmnpodcast at gmail.com. And you can give us donations, which will allow us to do some pretty cool stuff. We're going to be sending packages. We're printing T-shirts. We're going to conventions. You can do all of that by hitting us up on the Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash hmnpodcast. You can also find us on Twitter at HMN Podcast on Twitter. And SoundCloud.com backslash Horror Movie Night. We have everything we've ever done as Horror Movie Night up there, as well as some retroactive episodes when we were doing uh, this as the Horror Club on Reddit. So uh, check that out, and we will be probably adding a whole lot more good stuff on there as the, uh, the holidays, the, the Christmas holidays come up. And uh, make sure you hit up our Facebook page. We are doing a poll right now for what will be the first movie that we discuss in 2017. Much like last year, we're just picking movies that we would normally not get to discuss because they're not horror enough like Rotor. Uh, Not good ideas like Rotor. Or (laughs) movies that the other guys (laughs) thought that we shouldn't discuss like Rotor. So (laughs) go ahead and look at Adam, Scott, and I's picks. Vote for the one that you think would be the best episode, and that will be our first episode in 
Hey guys, are you new to an area? Maybe you're bored or you just want to make new friends? Then you should check out the Nerd Out app. It can help you discover nerd-inspired events from different, 35 different locations across the United States and England. Uh, it's a mobile nerd event calendar app available for download at the Apple and Android store. Uh, it lists events like comic conventions, uh, there's geeks who drink trivia nights, Harry Potter concerts, cosplay meetups, and a ton of other stuff. We're definitely going to be using the Nerd Out app when we start hitting up conventions and when we're doing live events. Uh, it's a great way for you to very easily find out what's going on in your general area on a, on a boring Friday, Saturday night. You're like, I got nothing to do. Let me pop in my, my zip code. Let's see what's going on. Uh, at, using that, I found out about a, a new barcade that I didn't know had opened up in my town. So it's definitely a really cool, resourceful little app. The people who created it are really good people. I know that I am definitely a fan of it. It helps that I'm from Philly. They are still always expanding and growing, though. Uh, but I, can, I can't speak for Adam and Scott. I, I don't know how often they would use an app like this because – they're the kind of guys that would beat up guys like me who would use a nerd out app, but that doesn't change the fact that it is <laughs> my favorite new uh, my favorite new app that I have on my phone. Well, I don't think they have it in Canada yet, uh, but when they do, I would be more than happy to use it because uh, I'm always willing to to go and find some nerds to beat up. I'm happy. To do that. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a nerd fighting tracker. <laughs> find out where the it's where like the... it's like Fight Club for nerds. <laughs> But the first rule of Nerd Out app is you don't talk about Nerd Out app. But that's a lie. You should talk about Nerd Out app to everybody that you meet in a day-to-day basis. There is a little section in here, uh, if you go in there, though, that says, do you not see your area? You can request a city or area by emailing info at nerdoutapp.com. Adding a city or area can typically take two to three months. But the more requests for a certain area, the quicker it gets added. So just because you don't see your city or state in the app, don't be disheartened. You can still send some stuff to them, and they'll be able to take that and work with you. I definitely see a big future for this app. I think that you know, this time, maybe two years from now, people are going to be all about this app. So be on yeah, the you guys front line. Get in here and be on the ground floor of this thing. Exactly. That is exactly what they're going to be. So download the Nerd Out app. Keep your eyes open because eventually you're going to see the words "horror movie night" pop up on that bad boy in your town. Hi listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 